we don't do the kind of security tools that you're talking about, which ended up being the best thing that ever happened to my career because it forced me, because I believed in what we were doing, we were automating the things that I thought software developers needed. It forced me to say, hey, I'm going to leave Symantec and I'm going to go start a company to do this. Cool. So, you know, starting a company, sometimes you need like the, a push somehow. Yeah. Like you need, like if you have that, you know, sweet situation where everything's great, you know, but this was like, I had worked on all this stuff and I was going down a particular path and they were like, we're not going to do that anymore. And your timing was good too. And the timing was good. So this really forced me and my co-founder, Christian Ryu, to say, let's leave Symantec and let's start a company doing the things we want to do. Welcome to 14 Minutes of SaaS, the show where you can listen to the stories and opinions of founders of the world's most remarkable SaaS scale-ups. In the first of two episodes with Chris Weisapal, CTO and co-founder of Veracode, a provider of cloud-based app intelligence and security services, He's at a pretty momentous moment in his professional career. He sounds relaxed, but Veracode was in the middle of a whirlwind of acquisitions and changes. Prior to that, in March 2017, the first of three successive ownership changes for the company occurred. CA Technologies bought Veracode for $614 million cash. But then, CA in turn, 18 months later, just two days after this interview, was bought by Broadcom. And then a few months later, Broadcom sold Veracode to private equity-based Thomas Bravo for $950 million, almost a unicorn. Probably a difficult time with lots of change, but it saw the value of the company appreciate by $336 million, or 55%, in under two years. Pretty amazing. Through smart leadership, it seems like Veracode continually operated pretty much as an independent entity through all of this change. And listening to Chris, it's amazing. You can't detect any stress at all. Chris, it's uh, great to have you here with us in 40 Minutes of SaaS. Oh, it's great to be here talking with you. Are you enjoying Rise? A absolutely. It's always fun coming to meet all the people that are speaking, meet the people coming. It's, it's a great time. That's very cool. Tell us a little bit about your, uh, your life history before you got into the working world. Yeah, sure. So when I was a kid, I was always, uh, I was always pretty curious about science and technology. So I would, you know, do my own you know, chemistry experiments, take my parents' phone apart. I was always interested in, in figuring out you know, how things worked. And um, I think that that served me well because I was just curious when computers came onto the scene, I was really curious about like, how do they work? How, how do they connect to each other? How does the inside work? What is this software thing? So I was very curious about computers when I uh, when I was first introduced to them in high school. That's, I'm showing my age there. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm no spring chicken myself, Chris. Uh, so you had uh, a lot of technology-focused roles uh, over your lifetime, and there's a, there's a tremendous amount of focus in there. The yeah. security seems to be the, the, um, the, the, the connecting uh, thread between all of that. Could you tell us about some of those roles and, and how they helped form, form the entrepreneur you became today? Yeah, sure. So my first job out of college was as a software engineer. You know, um, I went to school for computer and systems engineering. I wasn't sure whether I wanted to do hardware and software, and that's kind of a degree where you learn both. So I don't have a deep you know, computer science background, but I fell in love with the software side. 
um, and that was my first job. And um, I was just a regular developer developing code. And um, I did that for a few years. And then in 1993, in the US anyway, the public internet became a thing. And I started to say, how do I get access to this? How do I explore it? And pretty quickly I realized that security was going to be a big deal. Because trying to run software, this is something we were thinking about at the company I was at at the time, Lotus Development. Um, we were thinking about, can we get our software to run on the internet? And I just saw that there was going to be all kinds of security issues to letting anyone in the world you know, connect up to your computer. Absolutely. So that, that got me excited about security. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, post uh, Lotus, uh, what are the roles that you? So did yeah, you know? so post Lotus, I, uh, I I worked at Lotus for seven years, and I I, I kind of regret staying that long. And one day I woke up and I said, Wow, if I don't leave my first job, I'll just work here the rest of my life. <laughs> so what am I doing? So um, I I, uh, I left to kind of explore the dot com scene, which was starting to happen um, in the mid '90s. And I worked at a company called Radnet, and um, I think I was employee number five. Wow. And that was my first startup experience. We grew to probably about 100, uh, 70, 200 people. I can't, rem can't remember, right. but um, you know, we had a couple rounds of funding, but ultimately it was a failure. But I learned about working at a small company, sort of doing everything yourself and all that. So I kind of got this, the startup bug back then. Uh -huh. and, um, and, uh, but then I said, to myself, I really want to become a security professional. And I have to sort of, that's like a little bit of a career change, right? You have to leave a software development job and take on a security job, which at the time was really IT security at like an enterprise. Yeah. So I got a job at a, a company called BB&N. Um, and uh, they were one of the first companies that built the internet. They were a networking company in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and they built the first, um, you know, network devices that connected the old, uh, early DARPA net okay. before the internet. Wow! And so they had been around for like 15, 20 years before I came on the scene. But yeah. I, I learned security there from all these networking guys trying to do corporate security, and I said, "This is something that I want to do." Um, and really, I came to the conclusion I wanted to combine the security aspect of my knowledge with the software aspect of my knowledge. And so the next job I took was as a consultant at a company called At Stake, another startup company. I think it was probably like employee number 10 to 15. Wow, again. Yeah. So that was, so I went back to a small company. And, uh, and uh, we kind of at At Stake pioneered the idea of an independent, you know, security consulting company. At the time, it was big accounting firms. You know, they still do that today. But back in 2000, it was just big accounting firms or product companies, like a Symantec, yeah. which they would like. They would help you install their software. So we took the approach of we wanted to be like hackers. We wanted to do, you know, penetration testing. We wanted to, you know, audit your code and look for the holes in the code. So we took a hacker mindset to consulting and built a new kind of consulting company. And that's, I think, my time at, at At Stake was only about four years, but there was a, a lot of talented people poured in from the hacker world and from places like the uh, NSA. Um, and it was just a confluence of very smart people trying to figure out how do, you, how do you help big companies do security in the new world of the internet. So, so, so I, I, uh, I interviewed a guy called Colton Andres from um, 
gremlin and uh, he's part of that new wave of, of chaos engineering and mm -hmm. failure as a service. Yep. So it's actually been around a lot longer than I thought then by the sounds of things. You, you were kind of doing that then, were you? Yeah, we call it sort of adversarial testing, okay. right? Like, like so, so modeling what the attacker would do is a way to see how resilient your software is going to be. Um, and if you don't do it yourself, the attackers are going to do it for you. Okay, okay. Colton was saying they do it in the production environment. Were you guys doing it in the production environment? So um, we would be, we would do it, we ideally, we, we could do it there, but ideally we were doing it during the software development process. Okay. So while they were building the software, we would review what they were doing, like we would review their code, and then we would do manual testing on, on the software. And so I did that for about four or five years at, um, at At Stake. We got bought by Symantec. At the time, we were building some really cool tools at At Stake to do this. We were trying to automate as much as we could. And then after Symantec bought us, I said, wow, this is a big, well-funded software company. They're going to want to fund all these cool tools we're doing and make them into products. Yes, we were a consulting company, right? They didn't want to have anything to do with it. They're like, no, we're really an antivirus. We're a gateway company. We don't, we don't do the kind of security tools that you're talking about, which ended up being the best thing that ever happened to my career because it forced me, because I believed in what we were doing. We were automating the things that I thought software developers needed. It forced me to say, hey, I'm going to leave Symantec and I'm going to go start a company to do this. Cool. So, you know, starting a company, sometimes you need like the, a push somehow. Yeah. Like you need, like if you have that, you know, sweet situation where everything's great, you know. But this was like, I had worked on all this stuff and I was going down a particular path and they were like, we're not going to do that anymore. And your timing was good too. And the timing was good. So this really forced me and my co-founder, Christian Ryu, to say, let's leave Symantec and let's start a company doing the things we want to do. Okay, great stuff. And um, you know what? You know, how did you go about getting uh, product market fit, or did you kind of already know what that was by the time we you kind of knew? Because we were, and this is one of those things which is like building technology at a consulting company is both good and bad. The good part is you can just try it on your, your customers, right? Your consultants can use the technology and try it on their customers and give you feedback. Your, your, your consultants plus the customer makes that, makes that market, um, help, helps make that market fit. Um, the problem is at a consulting company, the, the financial business model is not set up to invest for a year or two yeah. on product. Yeah. It's 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 constantly trying to get new new two week four week engagements in and doing those things. Yeah. So uh, we we actually thought about productizing at the consulting company, and we just couldn't we couldn't do it. We couldn't we couldn't get our heads around how could we get the funding and the business model was just wasn't suited to it. So I feel the one thing we got at it though was was the good early product market fit. Okay. You know, it still took us another year of talking to customers outside of the consulting realm, saying like, you know, if we provided this, you know, capability, the service to you, you know, how, how, how would you fit it into your workflows? And how has uh, the big acquisition that's happened, how has that changed life for Viracode? You know, it really hasn't changed a lot. Um, you know, CA has been going down this path. So CA acquired us about four, uh, I guess it's 16 months ago now. Okay. Um, they've, the last four or five years, have adopted a strategy of growing through SaaS acquisitions and trying to grow them, as opposed to you might be used to the old CA of 10 years ago, which was buying, you know, sort of declining 
assets and, 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 and milking the long tail okay. of, of license fees, right? That doesn't really work anymore because of cloud computing, because of SaaS, the idea of buying on-premise software and, get, and getting stuck with it isn't something companies do anymore. Yeah. They, so they've really shifted the last five years to um, focus on subscriptions and SaaS. And when, you know, this is something we've been doing at Veracode for 12 years. Absolutely. We are a very early SaaS, SaaS company, especially in the security world. And um, so as opposed to CA coming and saying, We'll make you better, Verico. We're a big software company. We've been around for a long time. We'll make you better. It's the, it's the opposite. They're saying, Vericode, come help make us better. Ah, yeah, we want to learn, how do you, how, how do you, how do you uh, manage a SaaS business? How do you have a, uh, a, a solution services team that works between the SaaS business and the customer? Um, how, how, how do you do that? You know, how do you, how do you, what's your go-to-market funnel like for a subscription business? So, as opposed to them telling us what to do, it feels like we're telling them what to do, and and they're listening, and they're they're making the company better by learning from the acquisitions they have, which is the exact opposite experience I had when Symantec acquired. Uh, so it's a really positive. It's a really positive vibe. It's, 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 it's been a positive, and um, I feel like we're getting more in, more investment now that we're, you know, we're able to invest more in a technology. And the other big difference is distribution. You know, that's something that always startup companies struggle with. If you already have all that, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. you have something good, just put it through that channel. Vericode is an application security company founded in 2006 and based out of Burlington, Massachusetts with offices all over the world, including London, Singapore, San Francisco, New York. It raised over $114 million before the flurry of acquisitions activity. It has 713 employees. That's a 25% increase over the last two years and employees stay an average of almost three years. In the next and concluding episode of Chris Weisapal, we learn about a company he advises that has created a field called People Analytics, founded by three PhDs from MIT. And it's all about helping companies work better based on the physical space they work in. And we'll learn about Chris's activities in the Black Hat software security community. You've been listening to 14 Minutes of SaaS. Thanks to Mike Quill for his creativity and problem-solving skills and to Katsu for the music. This episode was brought to you by me, Stephen Cummins. If you enjoy the podcast, please don't forget to share it with your network, subscribe to the series, and give the show a rating. Mm -hmm.